Welcome to the Dark Side of the Full Moon podcast. I'm Jennifer Silliman, and this show is continuing the conversations started in the award-winning first-ever documentary film about maternal mental health. My journey as an advocate began through the power of storytelling. With this podcast, I hope to create a community of women and professionals sharing their own powerful narratives to let others know they're not alone and help is out there. Keep in mind that some of the stories you will hear may be triggering, but it's important they be told. This podcast is not a replacement for professional help from a licensed medical provider. If you or someone you know is suffering due to a maternal mental health condition, please contact your medical provider or call or text message the Postpartum Support International Helpline at 1-800-944-4773. Now let's continue the conversation. Hi guys and welcome to another edition of the Dark Side of the Full Moon podcast. I am so excited to introduce to you my guest today, Bridget Croteau, who is Mrs. New York USA Ambassador. Hi Bridget, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. So we're going to go through everything, but I do just want to start out by saying um, that I did read your book this morning (laughs) and it is so good. Um, Thank you. Last read, I literally read it in like an hour and a half and and I read every word and it's just one of those reads where it's just, it, it, the flow was just so nice and it was so, um, like we were talking about earlier, mom speak. Like it was a mom talking to another mom. It wasn't this like crazy language that nobody understands. Um, and it even stood out to me in your book where you said when you first went to find help and you found the postpartum progress article and plain mama English, right? Yes. Um, this, you know, I needed to know what was going on with me. So I'm going to have you start out by sharing your personal journey and story with postpartum depression and anxiety. And then we're going to move into how you have become um, an advocate for women and what you have done with your experience to help others. We'll start with your story. Okay. So I'm a mommy of two girls, Natalie and Chloe. Um, They're seven and nine now, but um, I had postpartum depression and anxiety with both of them after they were born. Um, My pregnancy with Natalie, my oldest, was easy. We were so excited that we were going to have a baby. Um, I had recently lost my teaching job. So we figured, hey, it's built in maternity leave. I'll be home. Perfect timing. Um, But that was like a big identity issue for me. I felt like teaching was who I was. And um, that was a big loss for me during that time. But I was excited to become a mom. Um, Our pregnancy was great. We had no issues until my last visit at my OB, where I was leaking fluid. And they sent me off for a sonogram. My fluid was a smidge too low. And they sent us off to the hospital. The sonogram technician came in and was like, congratulations, you're going to have your baby today. And we were like, what? <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I'm on my list today, but okay, I guess. Yeah, we were like, we were not expecting this. You know, we were expecting like everything in the movies where you're like counting contraction, like, ooh, there's one and, and, and timing it and, right. you know doing all that stuff. And none of that ever happened. So we were sent off to the hospital. We were inducted. We had an induction done and it was rough. Um, The induction lasted a really long time. It was over 30 hours that I was in labor. Um, 
it took two hours of pushing. And when my daughter was born, I had a fever and so did she. So she was automatically being sent to the NICU for 24 hours minimum. And every time we went to go see her, it just kept increasing. It was, nope, 24 hours. Nope. It's going to be another day. It's going to be another two days. Uh, Thankfully, she was only there for a week, but a week felt like an eternity to us. Um, In the meantime, we wanted to breastfeed. We were very like adamant. We're going to do this. We're going to breastfeed. We're going to do the breast is best. We're going to do the best thing for our daughter. And we're going to just do it, especially with the fact that she was in the NICU. And labor and delivery went just so sideways. I felt like I had to do that to be a, quote, good mommy. Um, Breastfeeding did not work out well for us. Um, We weren't even allowed to start breastfeeding her until the following day after she was born. So it was like 18 hours or something like that. It ended up being between birth and when I was allowed to even start trying. And meanwhile, no one told me to pump or do any of that sort of stuff. So we were already set up for, you know, kind of a little bit of a struggle there. Um, she did not want to breastfeed very well. She was just nice and content having um, extra formula. And we really didn't want to do that. But we also wanted her to get out of the hospital. So we just kind of supplemented after breastfeeding with that. But breastfeeding would take over an hour sometimes to even get her to latch and feed her and everything. Yeah. Which was hard. Yeah. Um, by the time we were able to get her home, it was a week later. Um, I thought that I would start feeling better afterwards after we got her home because things would be a little bit more normal and there were monitors beeping and people watching over my shoulder and, you know, making me feel nervous. Um, but I didn't feel any better when I got home. It just, I still felt like I was failing her and I was still struggling with breastfeeding and I still felt it was something I had to do. Yeah. Uh, so that was really, it was a lot. And it, I cried all the time. I felt really guilty that she ended up in NICU for some reason. I thought I had to have done something wrong. Right. For her to end up in there. And I thought it was, you know, something wrong with me that I couldn't breastfeed her exclusively. And for months, I felt like this um, until I finally realized that how I was feeling was not okay anymore. It was like I was not me anymore. And that's when I had gone on to the internet and I'd heard of postpartum depression before. I knew I was at high risk for it because I've had depression and anxiety as a teenager and young adult. And I knew I had the job loss and um, all that going on. So the big I found, risk factors, they talk yes. about that. Yeah, huge risk factors. Yeah. Huge which no one thinks about, but yeah. Yeah. There's so many things that can go on. You're like a move. A move, yeah. Changing your jobs, you know. I think we all just think, well, I'm having a baby, so there's no way that stuff's going to stress me out. Like, this is a happy time. Like, this is going to make it better because this is, like, the fun stuff. Like, this is – I'm looking forward to this. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just a weird feeling. It is. It was very weird because we were so – she was such an adorable baby, and she was such a good baby, and she was just so great and so awesome. And we loved her so much, but it was just – as great as she was, it was still just a really right. Rough right. It's time. frustrating when you can't find that reason to be upset because everything was so everything's so good, but yeah. yet you don't feel. And I want to backtrack just a second because I had shared with you that our stories are so similar. And and I don't know about you, but you know, no one really prepares you for what a NICU experience is like. 
And for me, I was already having intrusive thoughts prior to giving birth to her. So I was having them while I was pregnant. And I know you didn't really experience those. Maybe a a little bit with your second, you were having some issues of or maybe her getting sick or something. Yeah. Um, But I remember you were just talking about the bells and the, like this thing, the sirens go, the, you know, the alarms going off and all those things and having to wash your hands. I mean, there's signs there that basically say like, if you don't wash your hands the right way, you know, you might get your baby really sick. I mean, that's basically what the Yeah. Is. There, and there are, and, there and they are. like watch you. They watch you. They're like, make sure you get into your fingernails, make sure you, and I'm just like, okay, like it's so nerve wracking. But I remember in your book, you had said that, um, it was time for your daughter to come home, but they had called you because you were have they had found some things on your placenta, yeah. and they're like, "Oh nope, she can't go home." That exact same thing happened to me. So we did we, it really. I swear to you, we went oh her, with her car seat, went into the NICU. Now, mind you, here's what the difference is, and this is why I find this so fascinating. I was having intrusive thoughts, so I didn't want to bring her home because I was scared to bring her home. So for me, it actually turned out to be okay. But we got in there and she was like a little yellow. And they're like, mm, they're like, if you take her home and this gets worse, you're going to have to go through the regular emergency room, not the neonatal care. And we should probably keep her for another day. And, I'm, and, and, and for me, I was like, oh man, okay, well, I guess we'll come and get her tomorrow. You know, and inside I'm like, Hallelujah. Like, I'm so glad I'm not to take this baby home with me today. I'm not ready. I'm still like not myself, you know. Um, of course, everyone else was like traumatized. And I had to pretend to be traumatized because I like really wasn't. So, but when you get your hopes up like that, I mean, things and leaving the hospital without your baby is something else they don't really talk about. But it happens yeah. quite often, you know, something's yeah. going on. And it was yeah. really weird to have that whole experience, not even like having her in the room. And, you know, you walk by other rooms and there's balloons and it's a boy or it's a girl. And I, we, well, we had none of that. Like that experience no. didn't happen. Yeah. Um, it was so weird. And my roommate had in the hospital, we had roommates. She had her baby with her. So I would hear her baby crying. I'm like, my baby's not here. Like, yeah. this is just so sad. Yeah. And what if my so weird. crying and I can't be there to, you know, comfort her? I mean, that, you know, those kinds of things all go through your head. Um, and, and you had also said, this spoke to me so much, your book. And you said, you know, I know my baby was the biggest baby in the NICU and that there were other babies that were very sick and may not make it. And I should have been grateful. And I was that she's very healthy, but I was still upset. Like that's still, like it didn't matter. The depression and all of that was still there despite what circumstances were going on. And I remember my nurses specifically telling me, your baby's the biggest in the NICU. Your baby is not going to die. I, we don't understand why you're so upset. And it just goes to kind of show just how uneducated a lot of medical providers are, even just the simple lack of empathy I found through my experience just was not there. I had a charge nurse who could not believe that I was not going to breastfeed. I had made that decision well prior um, to everything. Um, and Allie was emergency too. I started bleeding and I was taken by ambulance and they said, you're having her today. And when I was six weeks oh early, gosh. so I had a planned C-section with her so we we had a date. We're like, okay, here's the date. We had like nothing ready because we still had six weeks. And they're like, oh, you're having a baby today. And I'm like, 
okay, like, I mean, obviously I don't have a choice. So I guess I should just kind of get in the mode that, okay, I'm going to be a mom. And, um, Okay, so go ahead. I have so much, so many other things that are so like, you know, the same and they parallel your story so much, but go ahead. I love that. I love all so that. I love that. We had so many similar things. Totally similar. <laughs> um, so we got her home and like four months later, that's when I realized that I wasn't doing okay. So that's when I went online and I'm like, I, I think I have postpartum depression, but I didn't really know because no one really told me about it really very much. Um, and that's when I found the postpartum progress plain mom English um, page. And I'm like just reading through it and I'm bawling my eyes out. And I'm like, check, check, check. Yes, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. Right. And it just, it was written in such a way that just made so much sense. And it wasn't so clinical. It was more like, you know, like talking to somebody else and saying, oh, this is, I feel, you know, blah, 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 blah. And instead of it being, you know, so dry and, you know, clinically. Um, so I, I, I was like, Oh my gosh, I, I have postpartum depression. And my husband happened to be away that weekend on a, a guy's trip. And when he got home, I was like, Oh, I think I have postpartum depression. And, and I knew he would be supportive because he always has been, but there was a part of me that was like, Oh my gosh, what if he's, you know, upset about it? What if he says something like, yeah, oh, you're fine, you know. Um, But he was like, no, you're going to be okay. We're going to find you help. And um, we went through the papers from the hospital. I'd saved them all in the big bag they sent me home with, with like a hundred flyers of things. And there was a postpartum support group. So I called that number on Monday morning and they had just started a new group like the week before. So I started immediately um, and I called my OB and they were great with getting me in. They were very supportive in that way. Um, I had an appointment that week with them. They gave me a list of therapists to call, which was great. I'm glad they had something and they were very nice about it. And they were very um, sympathetic and empathetic to what I was going through. But <laughs> the list of therapists that they had on there were either not answering their phones or out of service or voicemail boxes full or, you know no way to talk to anybody. Yeah. When I read that in your book, I was just like, that is the worst feeling when you're like, okay, good. I finally told somebody one that this is happening and I'm reaching out for help. And then you hit these brick walls where now it's, that's the worst when it's disconnected and you're just like, oh my gosh, like, and that happens so much, especially in this field. Um, Because I used to be in charge a long, long long time ago when I was volunteering with Postpartum Support International, I'd be in charge of like their directory and basically calling all those numbers at least once a month to make sure that they were still there or they were taking new patients. Because that was the other thing, like, oh, well, we're not taking new patients or, oh, six, seven weeks until you know, an appointment. And so, yeah, yeah, thank goodness they had resources. But I mean, it's almost a full-time job to keep up with those resources and make sure that there's, you know, you're not giving a mom a dead end, you know, yes, Yes, I have numbers and oh no, none of them work can be, you know, really traumatizing. Yeah. It's really hard calling all those numbers. Like I don't even like talking on the phone to be honest. So it's like to even like make the calls and be like, hi, you know, it's even dial was like, yeah, hard. hard, right. But I did it. And you know what, I ended, that was 
frustrating, but I was able to find a therapist. I went on to our insurance website and I just looked for people that specialized in, in women's health. There wasn't any designation for postpartum depression or anything like that, but, um, I I found therapists who helped me. So thank goodness. But the support group was like my like biggest help for sure. Because, you know, having moms there that you could talk to about how you're feeling and then be like, oh, yeah, me too. I feel that too. Or, you know, have you ever felt this way? And you'd be like, oh, yeah, I did. It was just absolutely amazing. Yeah. And what would you say to, I know there's so many moms who are so reluctant to go to a support group because they just, it's nerve wracking. You kind of don't know what it's going to be like, especially if you've never been in any sort of therapy or group therapy. Well, I mean, what would you say to a mom who's like, you know, I, I don't know if a support group's for me. What would you, what would be your advice to her? I would just go and check it out. And if it's not for you and it's not helping and you give it a chance, then it's not your thing. Yeah. But for me, it was, it was everything. Yeah, I did. I went and I, I did talk, but I didn't talk a lot. I was more of like the quiet listener that would chime in every once in a while. Right. Um, but even that was, if I just felt so much support and, and everybody there was just so nice. I still talked to some of the girls from the group and this is, you know, my daughter's nine. So, I mean, this is almost a decade later and we still have a connection. Um, it was just feeling that, that camaraderie with other women that get it and understand just meant like everything to me. And I was really grateful for one specific night was family night where we had a mom who has been through postpartum depression, got through it. And one of her family members came, her mom actually came and she shared her perspective. So at this night, you can also bring your family with you, like your best friend, your mom, your dad, your spouse, your whoever, whoever's in your support circle. And uh, they can come and learn and hear the stories too. So I brought my husband, my mom and my dad, and they all loved it just as much as I did. My mom was sitting there raising her hand, asking a million questions. I love it. And, you know, they were just, they really wanted to understand what it was that I was going through because I was trying to explain like how I was feeling, but I know that I was not verbalizing stuff in a great way. So to hear it from somebody else who's been there and gone through it and can explain things better right. with what we needed. Right. And I know you got, you talk about this in the book, you got pregnant the second time and forgive me. I forget. I know your husband was very adamant about you finding a hobby, finding something that was not re- that wasn't related to being a mom because <laughs> that can totally consume us. Did you yes. start this hobby before having your second? Do I? Yes, I did. Okay. Yep. okay so tell people what yeah. you ended up doing. Um, so I'd always wanted to do ballroom dancing for like years, but I just never made it a priority to find a hobby. So that's why my husband had been bugging me for years, even before being a mom. Um, so he's like, nope, now's the time. You're going to go do it. We found a place and I started ballroom dancing and I haven't been doing it recently because of COVID, but when things calm down, I'm going to go back. <laughs> it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun and it's a great escape for, for me. Yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. Then I know in the beginning you were, you know, you you had told your husband Bo that you didn't want to have a second and that you were really scared that this whole experience was going to happen again. So talk to us a little bit about how you guys made that decision and then about your second, second pregnancy. So we had always, like before we got pregnant, we always wanted two, maybe three. Um, And that was kind of always what we had wanted to have for our family. 
um, when I had the postpartum depression with my oldest, I was like, I can't go through this again. Uh, I, uh, this was really terrible. I can't do this again. What am I going to, how am I going to cope with doing this again? This is ridiculous. This is so hard. Um, and he was like, you know, whatever you, when you get better, you, you know, we'll see, you'll, you'll change your mind, I'm sure, whatever. Um, so I was very adamant. I was not having this, another child. Um, but once I got better, um, I, I knew I wanted Natalie to have a sibling. So once I was out of the postpartum depression cloud and all of that, and I was back to feeling better and being myself again, I was like, you know what? I want to have another baby. <laughs> <laughs> so we gave it a little time. And then, you know, we were like, all right, it's time. Let's try. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and from the book, I believe it didn't take very long. <laughs> Correct? No, no. First, first, first go around. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And then you're very lucky. And I, yeah, very lucky. And I remember. So, what were your talk about your symptoms or 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 the differences between those two pregnancies? Um, pregnancies were both really healthy. Um, I definitely had way more nausea with Chloe, my youngest. I was I had nausea and and vomiting until around twenty weeks or so with her. Natalie's I was better by like fourteen weeks or something. So I was definitely way more nauseous and tired, you know, especially being pregnant and chasing after a, an 18 month old she was at the time was that's rough. That's rough. (laughs) That was a lot. Um, but, um, yeah, but I mean, otherwise the pregnancies were pretty, pretty similar. I felt pretty good the second half of both of their pregnancies. Um, but we did not have to get induced with Chloe. (laughs) She happened uh, easy peasy. Labor was easy with her. (laughs) So how did that experience make you feel? Because it was so different. I mean, was that more of the experience that you thought you were going to have with uh, with Natalie or? Yeah, it was, it was everything we could have wanted. Um, We used midwives this time instead of my OB. So they were a little more um, hands off with interventions, which I liked. Um, And they were also very, concerned about my mental health during my pregnancy. So they, at almost every single visit, sat down after doing all the clinical stuff of my blood pressure and all that stuff, they would sit down and be like, so how are you feeling? Because I made them very well aware when I joined their group that I had postpartum depression. You know, this is what I went through. So they made really sure that they kept a good eye on my mental health during my pregnancy, which I really appreciated. And they were very good with that. Um, but labor with Chloe was like six hours start to finish. And it was like so easy. And it was everything I could have wanted to have in a labor. It was quick. Um, and she came out screaming, though. So that was. <laughs> yes, yeah, that was talk a lot about that, that in the book. Um, right. That she screamed for quite some time. And the nurses were yeah. going to be you know, every 15 minutes and be like, um, is she still screaming from the last time? Or is it? Yeah. New time. Yep. You would just two. nod your head like, mm, yeah, still the same, mm-hmm. still the same yep. one. <laughs> yep. Two, hour, two hours of crying after she was born and she was just incons- inconsolable. Like binkies, trying to breastfeed, yeah. cuddling, put her down, swaddle, like nothing, nothing helped. She was just inconsolable. But um, I knew she was going to be a tough cookie and she's a tough cookie, but in, in a great way. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> and then she was not, so she was uh, typical as far as she did, was not in the NICU. We took her home. 
um, you know, when you left the hospital and everything. And then, at, and then I believe though, she was the one that didn't sleep well. Was that? Yes. Was that, oh, yes. Yeah. She was the one yeah. that just did not want to sleep. You eventually right, thought something was wrong. And it, and it was so neat in your book when you took her to the pediatrician and you're like, there's something wrong. She's not sleeping. This is not normal. And the pediatrician looked at you and said, I think she's fine. I'm more worried about you. And that to me was just like, yes, like this is what providers need to be doing, right? Especially pediatricians yes. who are our first medical provider that we see after we give yes. birth. We, I mean, we don't sometimes see our OB for six weeks. That's a really long time. And it is a long time. Mommy world. So um, yeah, so that just, it gave me goosebumps because you don't hear that a lot. I mean, you know, because, and pediatricians will often say that, you know, we're, we're pediatrician, we're looking out, um, you know, for the, for the baby infant or child, but you know, the baby's health and the mom's health are just so connected. I mean, we know that now that if one's not healthy, the other one's not and vice versa, you know, and you talk about that even with your breastfeeding, you know, that, you know, now your motto is fed is best. So whatever works for you, you know, and trying to wean her from breast. I mean, that's, those are all hard things when you have that kind of picture in your mind of what, you know, what your pregnancy, what your delivery and what the, and what your, you know, plan is for, feeding and what that's good. And then, and we see stories of women, right. That do it perfectly. That it's like, it is, you know, a storybook. It's a Hallmark card. Like it's, it worked out for them. Um, And then when it doesn't work out for you and you said it again, beautifully in your book that you just felt like you were already screwing up and you had just started, like you're just, yeah, you know, yeah. I've had my baby and I've already screwed up. She's, you know, in the NICU or whatever. And yeah. it makes me so happy for you that you had that that other experience. Um, you know, I never obviously chose to have another um, because I was just so traumatized. Um, but I, I, it makes me so happy when I hear moms be able to have that story, you know, that is more like the plan and what the image they had in their mind um, for that birth. Um, so that, 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 that makes me very happy, but yeah, your book is, is so good. It's so good. So, so, okay. So let's transition now into, um, and and I don't have, so this is obviously a podcast, but I'm going to post some pictures because you're so cute right now with your your sash on and your beautiful crown. Um, so talk about people, why you have this beautiful crown on your head. Like, what is this? (laughs) So I currently hold the title of Mrs. New York USA Ambassador 2020-2021, and I'll be competing for the title of Mrs. USA Ambassador in July in Florida. So I can't wait. I'm so excited. Florida? Is it in Orlando? Tampa. Oh, Tampa. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were going to be close to me. Okay. (laughs) So I'm so excited. It was canceled, postponed from last year because of COVID, so... Um, so I'm really excited to finally get to compete this summer. Um, but I started in pageantry in 2015. That was the first pageant I had ever competed in. Um, and I had wanted to do pageants for years, but never had the guts to get up on stage and, you know, put myself out there in that way. It takes, it takes some, you know, courage and (laughs) guts to do that. Um, and I just loved it. It was so much fun. I made a lot of friends doing it. And I found it to be a really great and different way to kind of um, advocate for moms. Um, when I started, 
I didn't realize that every time you put the sash on that people would like stop and like ask you questions <laughs> when you're out and about and be like, oh, so you're in pageants? Like, what is this? Tell me what this is about. And I tell, it gave me a chance to tell them about my platform, right. which is You Are Not Alone, where I tell my story about what I went through with postpartum depression and anxiety. So I can help moms and dads know that they're not alone and to let them know there are resources out there and there's help and you'll get better with help. Um, so I've been doing pageants since then and it led me to a lot of really awesome things like doing podcasts like this one and writing my book and just writing blogs and being on TV and on radio to share about the Postpartum Resource Center of New York and about my platform and just share information and let moms know that there's help and that you're not alone. And I went through it. So many moms do go through it. Dads go through it, but you'll get through it. You can. I'm curious to know what the response is that you get when you tell people and even other, um, uh, the other women that are in the pageants, when you share with them your platform, what is that reaction? Because it's not a typical platform. I mean, it's just not a typical platform that somebody would choose. So I'm just curious, do you get like, for those that are moms, like, oh my gosh, I had that too. Or do you get like, I don't know what that is, you know? You get a little mix of things. Like there's some people, especially like the judges, sometimes they aren't even parent. They're not parents yet. Maybe they're not even married yet. And they're like, oh, well, what's that? Like, I don't know what this is. And they'll ask you to explain, which is awesome because then I get to talk about it. Um, But I've also met so many moms in the Mrs. Pageants who have gone through it too. And there's actually more moms who have this similar platform than I thought. Oh, okay. Um, so that there, there's a bunch of us actually okay. who have this kind of platform. So um, I was like, this is awesome. I love this. <laughs> so yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. And then your book that we keep talking about, um, it's so good and it is available on Amazon um, and the Kindle version, which I downloaded this morning and zipped through it. I mean, it was so well written and so good. So how did that come about? Had had you, uh, how did you, how did it come about? You're like, oh, I'm going to write. I feel like writing a book is like such a daunting task. So I'm just curious how you, you know, how you did that. Um, I'd been speaking at events and stuff for several years before I had written this. And I'd been encouraged by my family and um, the director of the Postpartum Resource Center. She kept encouraging, oh, you should write a book one day. And she kept planting the seed and like encouraging me for like a really long time. And I was like, you know what? Sure. Why not? Uh, Let me write a book. Why not? And um, I I gave myself like, I don't know, 10 months or whatever it took me to write it. And I just sit down in little bits and pieces and write whenever I felt the motivation and like inspiration in my head of like, Ooh, let's write this. And um, I had an editor who edited it and she was awesome because she made sure she kept my voice in there. Um, She was wonderful. And then I just self-published it. Yeah. (laughs) It was just easier that way than to waste time to me, like shopping it around yeah, to you publishers the information and, out there because it yeah, exactly we just wanted it out there lives when people read it you know people mm-hmm. you know we know that moms get help when they read that other moms have gotten help and, it, and it, you know you can get well again um yes. so it's just you know super inspirational i love it i think it, i think i wish i would have read it sooner um 
as you can imagine, I have a pile of um, <laughs> books. <laughs> I have so many that I still need to read. But, you know, and then sometimes it's hard to to read those stories. I mean, I and, and I've been in recovery forever, um, but it can be triggering, right? Which is why obviously I even put a trigger warning on these podcasts because, you know, sometimes hearing the stories again can. Oh, and you talk and that that's what I wanted to talk about. When your first daughter, Natalie, right? When your first daughter had her first birthday. Yes. What that was like. You don't, because, you know, obviously for me, Allie's birthday is a very traumatic day. Like that day, that date is hard. Um, And I found the first one to be, I mean, I I was pretty well by her first birthday, but I mean, a lot of people want to reminisce about, you know, the day she was born. And I'm like, yeah, I was taken by ambulance and she was in the NICU and they didn't know if she was going to have, you know, the lung development she's supposed to have. And, and, you know, so it's, you know, we talk about their birthday, but then I also like to talk about the birthday, which is what that day of birth was really like for the mom, Mm -hmm. which is sometimes very traumatizing. So talk a little bit, just talk briefly about that. Yeah, it was hard. Like on the days approaching her first birthday, I kept kind of reliving the day in my head and just all the things that happened. And it was like, felt a little PTSD like for me to like have to relive it in my head. And I didn't want to relive it, but it would just keep playing over and over in my head of all the things that had happened and, and what decisions I should have made instead of what I did. And it was really rough, but luckily over time, I, I don't relive it in that way anymore. And now we just, we still, we sit down with my daughter and we tell her about her birthday. She knows she was in NICU. She under, she knows what, what mommy went through, but we'll make it like a, we were so glad you were born right. and you know, we, it was a rough time and it was hard for mommy, but we're so happy you're here. Yeah. And she, yeah. My, my family's very involved in this cause also. Right. So my girls, my girls both know. Yeah. Do they love that you do pageants? Are they interested in pageants? Yeah. No, no, okay. <laughs> no, they, they want no part of doing any of that yet. So that's, that's totally fine. Totally fine with mom. <laughs> yeah, totally fine with me. I um, don't want them to do this if they don't want to, because it is, it's, it's not just dressing up pretty and cute and, you know, prancing around on stage. It's a lot of work that goes into it yeah. beforehand. So if they're not ready to do something like that, I'm never going right. to push right. them to that. Oh, I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I am, I'm so excited and I'm, and I wish you all the luck this summer getting back. Thank you. So exciting. Oh my gosh. I love it. Um, I do recall the first time that we actually met in person um, a couple years ago and I was just so, I loved looking at your pageant pictures online. I'm, I just love, I grew up watching the Miss America pageant with my mom and guessing and giving them scores. And I mean, I'm so intrigued by all of that. So when I met you, I was just so excited to talk about everything pageant, which I'm sure is so annoying, but I No, it wasn't. I loved it. Oh my gosh. I, you know, what I had, you know, how do you learn how to walk? How do you learn? I was just always fascinated by that. So I love it. And I love using that as a platform for this, I think is just so incredible and amazing thank you that is awesome and best of luck um best of luck this summer that is so thank you thank you so much for joining us today bridget thanks so much for having me